Hello there! You are listening to the Quarter to Three Movie Podcast for The Family. My name is Tom Chick, and I'm here to discuss The Family with you and Christian Mizuski. Mizuski? What kind of fucking name is that? <laughs> and with our The Family tagline, Telewand. Uh, if it's good enough for De Niro, it's good enough for me. <laughs> Not a spoiler. What? I thought it was. No, I, I like that tagline. I like the tagline for your next, for instance. That w- that one did not spoil anything, Kelly Wand. Can't remember. Uh, let's see. So before we talk about the family, just an update uh, for the listener lottery uh, pledge drive thing that we have going on. The idea being that if you donate even just a dollar to uh, our PayPal link at the website at quarter2three.com, um, or you can just go to PayPal and donate it to 3 by 3 that's 3x3, the number 3, the letter X, the number 3, at quarter2three.com. Just donate at least a dollar, give us the name of a movie, and it'll go t- into a drawing that we will draw from next week live on the air to determine what movie we're doing the week after. Uh, if you donate a dollar, you will have a 50% chance... <laughs> This has been mathematically proved in by, last Tom. By, by me in last week's Riddick podcast. You'll have a 50% chance of your movie being picked. Um, however, some of the picks have a bigger 50% chance than other picks. So right now, here are the 50% chances that are more likely than the other 50% chances to be picked. <laughs> uh, I read this last week, but I'm just going to go down the list because we have one notable – uh, new entry in the top three. So last week the list huh. went uh, the first the tied for first place. There's a movie called Don John. It's actually opening that week. It's directed by Joseph Gordon-Levitt. And then someone else uh, said, "Oh, you know what? Hellraiser or Candyman? Let Kelly Wand pick." So those huh. were in the running for the top spot. Uh, then below that we had The Shining. Some Russian. I assume it's Russian. It's a Russian director whose name I can't pronounce. A movie called Close to Eden. Uh, then. Uh, <laughs> Bringing up the rear, we have Patton and Armageddon. Ugh. However, <laughs> however, yeah, uh, I don't. Know. We, Dingus, which do you dread more, Armageddon or that Russian close to Eden thing? Armageddon. I don't know what's wrong with you people. I hope Armageddon uh, wins. Uh, Dwayne Johnson's not. I don't know why you don't like it. It's... Actually, hearing Kelly Wan do an Armageddonopsis. See, yeah. Uh, yeah, it already exists. It's called the movie. <laughs> Well, well, here's another, uh, now in the running, tied with the uh, Hellraiser or Candyman pick or Don John, is Crawl. Yeah! (laughs) I like someone. (laughs) So, uh, tune in. Don John, I don't want to see. I don't think. A trailer for that came on when I saw the family. Yeah, yeah, I watched the trailer and I may not want to see it. Uh, I like to Come on, you like Hesher. It's it's the guy from Hesher, Kelly Wand, and the guy from Third Rock from the Sun. It looks like a romantic comedy. Ah, stop, stop. I don't even want to know. You saw the trailer, you just said. No, but I stopped. No. As soon as it came on, I stopped watching. I closed How did you even know what you were watching? When do you stop watching? You're there- so, well, so the moment I saw Joseph Gordon-Levitt, and even the font, I think, because I've seen the poster. <laughs> Such a spoiler. You well, get a I feel. feel. When, you're watch- when the trailer yeah. comes on, you get a feeling. You're like, yeah, I can't watch okay. It's like Spidey Sense. Yeah. Well, and you also know, like, if you're, for this podcast, we tend to, 
generally know what's coming up in the next few weeks, so you have a sense for what movies are coming down the pike, even if you're not watching trailers. Um, uh, so I immediately knew. By the way, the trailer, when I saw The Family, uh, the trailer for Captain Phillips came on, which is the new Paul Greengrass movie with Tom Hanks. I presume it has something to do with Somali pirates. Uh, it came on, and I, I closed my eyes. Uh, the theater where I saw the family, very sparsely populated, but seated right next to me because it's an assigned seating thing, uh, were these two girls, um, probably like uh, like teenagers, I guess, probably like like sixteen, seventeen. Um, and I, for for the Captain Phillips trailer, I had my eyes closed and my head down, my fingers <laughs> in my ears. And as the trailer was over, I felt. Cops. As the trailer was over, I felt a hand on my shoulder, kind of rubbing me. And the girl said, "It's okay, it's over now." <laughs> oh. she, she was like, "You know what? I I get that way too. It's all right." <laughs> she thought the real Captain Phillips. She really thought I was traumatized by it, and I had to explain. No, they they give things away. I don't want to watch it. And, uh, and she and her friend laughed at me. And a sixteen-year-old girl touched you. Wait, they laughed at you after? Well, it was so they were laughing as she was saying, "It's okay, it's over." It was so endearing. And she really thought that I was freaked out by the Why captain. Why did they laugh at you when you started crying? Uh, I think throughout. I think uh, as they saw that I wasn't looking. It was just this. They they seemed uh, amused when I was trying to explain. You know, I don't. Boy, <laughs> captain <laughs> Phillips. That's my favorite part. But she did say something like, "Yeah, I get that way too." That uh, she really did think that I was. Really, she really did think that I was really stressed out. She gets it. that way about Captain Phillips. Trailer. Well, uh, they they also they were very young. They were very vocal during the movie. They would say things like "damn," and they were talking to the screen. I mean, they were definitely young, impressionable moviegoers. So she was she was with me there when she thought that I was freaked out by the Captain Phillips trailer. Were they white? Uh, yes, they were white. I don't know what. Yeah, they were. They were uh, white. Just say he said "damn." So he can't really. He straight. doesn't see color <laughs> in the dark with his hands over his eyes because Captain Phillips is on. <laughs> I've had somebody do that to me. A, you know, a, a girl sitting next to me going, "Are you okay?" <laughs> see, I sob all the time, and girls never give a shit in the theater. They move away from me. It's a little, it's a little weird. Like I, I've always feel self conscious when I'm not looking at a trailer, and there's someone coming down the aisle who needs to get past me to get to his seat, and I know he's walking up, looking at me, thinking, "What's, what, why is this guy curled up in a ball? You know, what is he sobbing? What's this guy doing?" I'm actually cackling, not sobbing, by the way. Why <laughs> about that? So at any rate, there is our. Uh, that's that. Those are what's in the front running. All movies have a fifty percent chance to win because you either will win or you won't win. There's a hundred percent chance of one of those two outcomes, and a hundred divided by two is fifty. So there's a fifty percent oh. chance you win. All you have to do is donate a dollar. You can donate more than a dollar. For every dollar donated, that counts as basically one ticket. And we're just going to next week. We'll announce all this. We'll be above board about everything that's been donated. We're just going to. I don't. I hope this doesn't take too long. I, I hope it won't be tedious. But we're going to go down the list of all of the movies and how many votes, aka dollars, each movie is represented by. And then we're going to go to a random number generator. We're going to enter the range of numbers, and I'm just going to hit generate, and it's going to spit out a number, and we're going to look it up, and we will tell you next week what movie to watch for the following week's podcast. Did you make the generate? App. I've actually used it before for like contests, like giveaways and stuff. It's, oh, yeah. it's I think it's called RNG.org. It stands for Random Number Generator. Um, Nerd alert. Wait, did you, when you rolled the die and you said it was a one the other week, was that you doing the app and just saying? 
Uh, we did have a giveaway for the Zombie Massacre Blu-ray that had, I think, four people who were willing to take it. And I had a D6 handy, so I just figured... Kelly, one, this is an old trick that anybody who plays D&D knows. If you roll a D6, if you need like a number from one to four and you don't have a four-sided die, you just roll a D6, and on a five or six, you re-roll. That seems less mathematical. You know, it's it's my experience as a tabletop gamer. It's one of the tricks I've learned. Okay. I, so I uh, anyway, the point. tune in for that next week. Uh, very exciting. I've I've by the way, been, <laughs> I've I've been overwhelmed. But, I mean, the donations are so kind, and I really appreciate all the kind comments. Um, you guys are awesome. I mean, it's hard for us. We just think of this, the podcast every week, as just the three of us hanging out talking about a movie. We know there are people out there listening, but it's just been really gratifying how many of you have, have wanted to participate and have sent us nice notes. And so anyway, from all of us, thank you so much. Uh, it's uh, I, I'm just really touched at, at the turnout. So, but we've still got another week. So, if you think of a movie, if you want to change your vote, if you just want to put a dollar down on, like Casablanca, come on, nobody's voted for Casablanca. What's up with that? Would who would not want to hear a Casablancopsis? How come Zapt isn't leading? Is my fucking question. Zapt has, I think, a couple. Zapt is one of the few movies where different people put their votes towards it. I think there were at least two people supporting Zapt. Huh. Wait, what's the so if it if the drawing was held today, I mean the generate was held today, mm-hmm. what would win? What was the? <laughs> well, I don't know. Give me. Cheap. I would have to. Yeah, I'd have to make the list. And uh, yeah. oh, I thought there was just like one in the front running. It's really far ahead. Bad at maths. Yeah, no, I wasn't Kilo listening. Was... What? I don't know things. That's all. My... All of Kilowatt, as I said, all the movies have a fifty percent chance of winning right now. Okay, so, so which one has the highest fifty percent chance of winning? Uh, John, said... John. Hellraiser, oh, Hellraiser or Candyman and Kroll are all in the top spot <sighs> for most votes in the in the kitty right now or the hat or whatever you call it. Kroll's so close. Yeah. Wait, so if I put money into this, you can't. Nope, you're not eligible, and your family is not. You can't have you or your mom or your cat. Uh, the family and the pets of members of this podcast are not eligible to vote. Sorry. Uh, yep. All right. So uh, there you go. So tune in for that next week. Exciting stuff. Uh, let's talk now about what, Dingus? Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't mean to say it like that. Tip your hand much? No. I, that's how De Niro would say it. I was just doing get ready, my acting. Tom, have you ever noticed how many things Kelly can express with the word, yeah? <laughs> <laughs> I'm a word bird, but there's only one word worth knowing. This week we saw The Family, mm. a 2013 English-language French crime action farce comedy movie oh, Wow! about an Italian-American family kicking it in Normandy. It was directed by Luc Besson and written by him with uh, Michael Caleo, but it might be pronounced Michelle, who knows, uh, based on the novel Malavita by Tonino Anacavista. <laughs> it, it was produced by Martin Scorsese. You what? Know that it was. Wow. Wait a minute. Yeah, that can't be true. It was produced by Martin Scorsese and what? stars Robert De Niro, Michelle Pfeiffer, Diana Agron, which again I believe <laughs> for her and Michelle Pfeiffer, by the way. Michelle. Michelle. <laughs> Michael Pfeiffer. 
<laughs> I haven't said the name of the teacher yet. Are you going to give me a on him too? Uh, uh, John DeLeo and Tommy Lee Jones. The family is rated R mm. for violence, language, and brief sexuality. Uh. <laughs> Go uh, door. The family opened at number two this weekend, behind, oh. uh, far behind Insidious 2, which has – Insidious 2 had a huge $40 million opening. Uh, I should see those movies because now everyone's no. seen it but me. What? You know, That's I'd what you a, said, but look how much money they made. So what do you, you're obviously wrong. <laughs> Point. Oh, is that is that your criteria, Kelly? Well, in that case, you need to see uh, Direction Up, One Us. Or I think that's why you like The Conjuring is all I'm saying. Also, go get some Big Macs. <gasps> Tom <laughs> – what? <laughs> are you going to watch me take that from him? Make sure uh, you can stop touching me. You do not need to see Insidious, uh, especially if Con- The Conjuring didn't work for you. The, uh, I haven't seen Insidious 2 and have no desire to, but uh, James Wan, he's on a roll. I mean, there's a reason they tapped him for the new Fast and Furious movie. Um, ah. he's, he's, a, he's a golden boy these days, but yeah, I'm not going to see Insidious 2, which uh, I think was the second largest opening in September Ever. Ah, uh, see, well, we got to see the phenomenon, then we got to see like why people. I don't know. Tell you what, Kelly, one. I took the hit on Insidious one. You now go to Insidious two, and then when the inevitable third one comes out, directed by someone else, Dingus, you're up for that one. I'm on it. Okay. Uh, so the family opened at number two with a uh, $14 million opening on Rotten Tomatoes, which is the percentage of reviews that are positive. <laughs> it's at a nice, tidy, neat 33%. Ugh. One in three reviews of the family is positive. On Metacritic, which is the average of ratings from various reviews, the family is at 45 out of 100. Kelly Wan, what do these numbers teach us? Well, it could mean that everyone likes a third of it. I don't know that that's how reviews work. Oh. One possible interpretation. It's the one to three scale <laughs> that I just invented. Uh, Kelly Wan, what I would like from you now is yes. a <gasps> ellipsis. <Ooh>. Fail. <laughs> <laughs> Kelly Wan, what would you call it if you were to deliver a blow? Are you giving up that easy? One guess? <sighs> the listeners deserve more. A no, fanciopsis? Yeah, no. The Famopsis. Oh. Famopsis. Good. I think right. it sounds disappointed by that. Resolution. There was something for a flopsis, but Famopsis. That wouldn't work. What? What are you talking about? You can put the L. Tell me none of us understands how you come up with the names for these things. It's. Vanna so White is- said, know yes. the whole alphabet. <laughs> and I followed her advice, or I used to. <laughs> All right, well, Kelly Wand, would you please ride it like you stole it? Thamopsis. Things, I guess, might have happened in the family. I wasn't listening. A dude from the 40s wearing a hat blows up a front door to get a fingerprint. That did happen, by the way. I can I can verify that. <laughs> okay, let, let's fact check this. Opsis. I will corroborate that, that detail, yes. Robert De Niro's beard is white. Can you fact check? I would say salt and pepper. Yeah, I would definitely say salt and pepper, too. Gandalf's beard. Yeah, it's white beard. That's Gandalf. He did not have a white Gandalf beard. He had a salt. Son consciously evoking Gandalf resonances. It's also kind of an Obi-Wan beard. That would be white. 
He didn't do anything. Never mind. Since he got bored at a barbecue, he snitched on his godfather, so now he and his family live in France. We know he's the best hitman ever because when his kids smell the dead body, he keeps in his trunk for superstitious reasons. <laughs> he blames it on the dog's fart. Although that, that, by the way, that, yeah, I cannot corroborate that. He blamed it on the dog not having a bath. Mm-hmm. Well, I took some artistic license the way producer Martin Scorsese did with his own work. Spoiler alert. Fair enough. So this is like an adaptation. Okay. Yeah. Okay. It's like how Goodfellas was based on a book some shyster wrote. That guy, it's too soon. Although FBI jurisdiction extends to both small towns in France and Aldebaran, the mob just can't find De Niro without using newspaper-themed montages. Plus, this was the same year a lot of snitches moved to France. So they're blowing up and shooting families at random, which FBI agent Tommy Lee Jones doesn't give a shit about. And never mentions once. One morning, De Niro types the word Giovanni no caps on a piece of paper. <laughs> Besides, it's the beginning of his memoirs. Although I think his name's Larry. His <laughs> memoirs consist of a top ten reasons he's a pretty good guy. Like, I never disrespected community service. And then a shot of him lowering a parking meter into a volcano. <laughs> you corroborate that, Tom? <laughs> I wish that scene had been in there. Alcohol, a volcano. That's, from, that's from Cool Hand Luke, isn't it? Ah! I was thinking of that. So in a way, Dingus wins. Tom? Sorry. Kelly, well, what we have here is a failure to communicate. Ah, eggs. <laughs> The tenth reason is something like, I don't feel contempt for my victims unless they're French or FBI. That's from uh, nothing. Sickopsis, bro. I mean, FBI super agent Tommy Lee Jones's job is to move to whatever country De Niro does and deliver speeches to him about consequences <laughs> that never transpire. That seems like the worst job in the world, doesn't it? Yeah, but he doesn't have to get there till a couple days later, so it's okay. But he's like, I'm warning you. Then, <laughs> Why I oughta. I'm going to go to that debate with you. And then... Never mind. <laughs> he has two underlings whose job it is to watch Michelle Pfeiffer make pasta in her kitchen before she brings it over to their van, which I guess doesn't blow their cover. If mobsters with rocket launchers show up, their side jobs to die. Their side job is to die. <laughs> One of them's the dumb cop from The Wire. Some fuckhead sitting in the row ahead of me stage whispers to his bull-shaped chum, That's the dude from The Shield. <laughs> then I realize it's Tom. <laughs> JK. Tommy Lee Jones cuts De Niro infinite slack when it comes to murdering and torturing the locals, but he's scared shitless of De Niro's writing ability and keeps warning him to stop writing his book or else. Meanwhile, De Niro's son is smart enough to mastermind an 18-step program involving as many classmates and instructors at a foreign school in a single day, but is unable to come up with a single play on words without falling back on an 80s ballet reference an old man said at a barbecue years ago. It's not a ballet, it's an opera. Oh, I didn't know Die Hard was an opera. (laughs) Gotcha. The blonde daughter beats a kid to death with a badminton racket. (laughs) Hotly, I thought. I'd pay for that treatment from her. <laughs> if that actress is listening, 
Come on over. Uh, we'll make a racket together. Uh, she puts a girl in a coma in the school restroom for snake and her crepe paper, fucks her math tutor, and then steals a car. But doesn't get in any trouble. To cement her popularity, she seduces a bookish math whiz by telling him he needs to give her private math lessons, which begin immediately, even though he has no interest in her. <laughs> Though she doesn't cover her tracks, nobody complains about her, although her brother covers his tracks but still gets complained about and caught because he's not a blonde girl. Sidebar, in France, teen rapists leave their keys in the car along with their intended rape victim. Maybe they should call it the leering wheel. Hmm. Since De Niro told his neighbor his books about the Normandy invasion, a French guy calls him to have him debate a Frank Sinatra movie in front of an audience of ancient Atlanteans. Since De Niro's taken his threat seriously enough to put a plumber in the hospital, drag a factory CEO behind his car, and blow up a turbine with impunity, <laughs> Tommy Lee Jones accepts his invitation to the French movie debate. <laughs> but the other debaters had no show, and the movie turns out to be Frankie and Johnny. Oh, oh too soon. De Niro says a lot of stuff about that we don't get to hear. It gets a standing O, so Tommy Lee Jones tells his phone, We have to go to Plan B. This is a catastrophe. But luckily, it's all meaningless. Meanwhile, the family's sins come back to haunt them, because ever since D-Day, French schools give American exchange students five minutes to write a play on words in English for the school newspaper in French, which the very next morning, everyone in town, including adults of all ages, reads Oh, the English poem. I advise that, Tom. Just want you to know. That's what I'm capable of. It will. Meanwhile, when you're a feared mob boss, your salami arrives to your jail cell wrapped in French newspaper that's been in nine trash cans across two continents. <laughs> it's a good life. Uh... <laughs> yep. Provised. <laughs> Meanwhile, De Niro tells Tommy Lee Jones that his book is so awesome, it's worth dying for, but he never finishes the book and doesn't die. Meanwhile, it takes Michelle Pfeiffer ten seconds to blow up the supermarket as payback for a bag boy and two old ladies talking about how dumb and violent Americans are, but ten minutes for her to stab an immobilized dude in the chest. Meanwhile, the math whiz spurns the affections of the hot blonde American nymphomaniac by moving to Paris, where he hopes to live with his parents if he passes a math test. <laughs> Later, to quote, be with the man she loves... The daughter climbs up some random building to jump off a ledge to her death. Luckily for the ledge, the assassins park right under her, so she's no longer in love. <laughs> Meanwhile, since he had to go to the principal's office, the brothers move into Paris, too, where there are no schools. Ugh. <laughs> <laughs> uh. But luckily, the assassins get out of a train right in front of him in slow motion, and he recognizes all of them, but they don't recognize him, so he sheds a tear because now he can't leave till morning. <laughs> he calls his mom on a payphone to warn her, but loses interest and leaves it off the hook because he's in a hurry to get home, even though no one's at home because they didn't answer the phone. <laughs> I could have written this stupid script. <laughs> Meanwhile, You're and did. Of a job. Yep. <laughs> Too bad I can't do any acting for that part. I disagree. Uh, that's, that's the kid, by the way, not the phone. 
Meanwhile, Tommy Lee Jones lets De Niro go for some reason, and De Niro tricks Rockets by not being in the shot when they blow up his house. <laughs> then he tricks Hitman by strangling them from behind until his wife stabs them. Meanwhile, since Tommy Lee Jones is the greatest FBI agent since Argo, he doesn't hit the blonde girl with his car. Finally, with everyone in town dead in accordance with FBI protocols, Tiro and his family drive around unsupervised in the dark on French backgrounds. <laughs> He's a uh, boy, that book I wrote sure turned out to be pertinent. Shell Pfeiffer and the kids are all, all I, our lives are dumb. That they didn't, wait, our lives are dumb. <laughs> the end. <laughs> uh, easy. I think you made me dislike this movie a little less. Really? Yes. Thank you. Yeah. Uh, Luke Besson's not comedy. He doesn't know what he's doing. He's not a... It's not... You know what? There's a bad screenwriting epidemic that's tearing this world asunder. <laughs> I think he's playing it farce. He's not comedy, but he, I think he's always playing it There's farce. tears at the end, and I don't know. There's not... Well, wait. Okay. I'll let you complete that thought before I go, What? No, I have no other thought to complete. Well, I, 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 I mean, I just, well, I'd like to hear. I mean, maybe it is farce. I just got the sense that uh, I, it wasn't particularly funny when it tried to be serious. It was, it just completely fell on its face. Um, I didn't feel it was. It, it hinted a little bit at being kind of grim and dark a couple of times at the end, like more black humor. But uh, I'm inclined to agree with Kelly Wan that Luke Besson just can't do comedy. Now, I guess Fifth uh, Fifth Element has these sort of farcical bits to it. But maybe. it's woven into all these other weirdnesses and yeah. and stuff. But I, I'm inclined to think Kelly Wan might be onto something. Thing is that just tr- doing this kind of it's almost sitcommy. I mean, I mean, I don't know what I don't know what kind of comedy this was supposed to be. Um, I, I'm inclined to think it's not just a script problem; it's a Luke Besson problem. Um, Dingus, do you want to defend him at all? No, I, 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 fuck, I fucking hated this movie. I mean, I absolutely hated it. It doesn't have any idea what how to establish a tone, but I think that he's trying to do farce. And I think, uh, yeah. you know, I just watched The Professional again, and there's so much in that movie that's cheesy and weird and doesn't quite work. I mean, I had such fond memories of it before, but... Um, I don't know. I don't think he knows how to establish a tone. He can handle an action sequence every now and then, but I don't think he can establish tone. And this movie is horrible. It's absolutely horrible. I freaking hated it. Uh, oh man. Uh, so yeah, I'm I'm with you guys. I I don't think I think he 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 has an idea of what he thinks is funny, but uh, it's not, and he does not know how to handle it. Kelly Wonder, you as vehement as Dingus in terms of how you didn't like it, or are you uh, more sort of laid back about your not liking it? It mostly I- sucks. I didn't believe in any of the characters. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think there's some good setups, though. Like, I think there's it could have been good, and I like seeing Michelle Pfeiffer. I think I've decided just I miss her. Well, I, I, I'm I with Dingus in that I hated the movie, but I, I clearly thought this was her movie. The only reason to see this is her performance as the kind yeah. of uh, mater familias uh, of this family. And if you want to see Mary to the Mob again, 
Yeah, yeah. I mean, it, it's just she's she's really good. And even with the terrible material here, she was the only one at the end trying to sell the danger, I thought, yeah. as far as what was going on. Uh, she was great working with Robert De Niro and with the kids and uh, just the, the way she uh, just her facial expressions, her intensity, uh, even that little scene where she's talking about butter versus olive oil. Um, I I just really enjoyed watching her in this movie. Uh, and But otherwise, I'm completely with Dingus. Is, uh, what, what a horrible thing. I, I briefly held out hope, knowing that this was Luke Besson, that we might get some cool choreographed action at the end. Nah. But yeah, nothing as far as I'm concerned at the end. Um, schmaltz. You get schmaltz. But even because, I, I mean, Dingus, isn't that one of the uh, redeeming values because i remember the professional being uneven as well but doesn't it have some really good action choreography i mean that's its main i don't know about claim to fame but that, that's its main appeal isn't it the action choreography in the professional supposedly i think the main appeal is supposed to be this weird uh uncomfortable relationship between right. jean renault and natalie portman um i the thing about the action in the professional as it turns out is a lot of it's disguised by smoke. Um, <laughs> uh, there's some good stuff. There's there's a couple of good set pieces here and there, and a couple of good moments. But it's there's there's just so much cheese, and it's just so uneven that it's hard. To, I mean, I, I still like the movie. It's just uneven. And this, but the family, I don't know what I don't know what the heck to say. I, I mean, what tone is he going for? I don't understand it. Uh, I, 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 I guess I, I know what tone he's going for. Um, he's trying to do in Bruges and failing utterly. Oh, that's why you watched that recently. Uh, yeah, that was nice. I, I watched it tonight and yesterday because it's a palate cleanser. Uh, because because that movie understands how to get that tone of like, I mean, the movie yeah nicely begins with a child murder, and and somehow evens out the tone throughout of this weird going back and forth between weird humor and I'm going to commit suicide and all of these strange things. And this movie cannot do it. The family, he just can't do it. And also in Bruges has the whole fish out of water element with the people from another culture hiding in this quaint European setting. Uh, yeah, that's a good call. Thing. Dang, why didn't we all just watch that instead? You know, I was going to actually tell beg Kelly to watch in Bruges last. Um, Kelly wants seen it. Kelly wants, have you not seen in Bruges? Uh, I don't see movies that are in things. So he saw Seven Psychopaths for us, but not in... Wait, that was the same director. It wasn't his brother, right? No, it's the same guy. Yeah, so Kelly Wand, you saw Seven Psychopaths, but not in Bruges. Ugh, Kelly Wand. Well, you didn't say see it till now. <laughs> well, now we're saying it. We've... Uh, oh, yeah. I'm a little okay, behind. Let me, let me throw this out there, too. As far as this... Um, I, was, I was thinking as I was watching this movie and really bored with it and not into it, and... I was thinking, would I rather like if I had to recommend this or We're the Millers to someone? <laughs> which I'd say We're the I Millers, and I haven't seen We're the Millers. Because at least We're the Millers has a few scenes, and sound, the one you s- described was sounded sounded funny to me. Uh, I don't, yeah, let me I ask you this: uh, Are there are there rape? Uh, is there the threat of rape in Weir Mill? Well, okay, now here Dingus is. Uh, I, I wasn't real <laughs> yeah. clear on what. Actually, yes, there is, by the way. But uh, I, I wasn't real clear on what was supposed to be happening there when. Um, it, it was kind of an intriguing scene um, because there was the idea that that gangster dude, his name is Bernie, 
uh, was kind of reluctant about it, and he was going to have yeah. to do it ritually. And I wasn't even sure, Dingus, if it was supposed to be a hint at rape or if he – and don't laugh at me because I really am not sure. Pee? Was he just – yeah, was he just going to pee on her? No, I, he says clearly to her, if you relax, it won't hurt as much. You know what? You're right. Yeah, that's right. But the problem is you have Michelle Pfeiffer in that, that scene, like, where are my kids, crying, going through this whole thing, and then you have the juxtaposed with this ridiculous RPG thing where Robert De Niro gets up with a grill grate on his head. <laughs> it was like a cartoon, wasn't it? It's almost like they put black like charcoal on his face to show he'd been in an explosion. And he looks at the camera and says his his fuck line. I mean, and you've just had her doing this awesome yeah. stuff. He cannot balance that. And then he yeah. has the threat of like this this big dope that's about to rape her because he has to dirty her first because of her betrayal. Right. Um it's uh, and then oh, it's just horrible. There's no balance whatsoever. Here's what, what else. Go ahead. Go ahead. Sorry. No, no, go ahead. Well, I, this also drives me crazy, and it, it's indicative of what you're talking about. And and Dingus, you're exactly pointing at because there were so many different tones going on. This really dark fate that she's supposed to suffer, and De Niro surviving the rocket launcher, and the kids with the trunk of guns. Please, directors, for for the love of God, stop intercutting action sequences during your finales. I hate this, like, going back and forth. Now we're going to follow this fight. Then we're going to follow this fight. Then we're going to follow this fight. Now we're going to follow the first fight. Then we're going to go back to the second fight a little bit. Now we're going to go to the third fight. Okay, now we're going back to the first fight. It's a crutch, and it's horrible. And if you can do good action choreography, it's okay to leave the scene with one sequence for a while. Um, I just hated that. And it leads to what Dingus is talking about, is we have this really dark grim rape threat uh, and this, this ritual rape for, from the mob and the goofy Robert De Niro surviving an explosion. Um, oh, and they were going to shoot the dog. What's up with that? Oh, that's yeah. funny. Yeah, let's kill the dog. That's going to yeah, be hilarious. <laughs> well, um, he made it. First time to make it in a movie for a while. Uh, yeah, well, but yeah, we don't know. You know, he might be traumatized. Yeah, it's like a spoiler because... If the Janeiro one's wacky, you know that there's not going to be a real rape. It's going to be comically averted with uncomical strangulation. Uh, what did you guys think of De Niro in this? He's phoning it in, and he always does lately, I think. Yeah, yeah. That's what's weird, is like Michelle Pfeiffer is... Because I remember last year finding her the money in Dark Shadows, which was another movie I didn't like. But Oh, God, I even forgot she was in that, yeah. And she and I was really into her character, and she winds up kind of getting sidelined along with everybody else in that movie. And uh, but it was still like people wonder why like I, we see bad movies, but it's like there was that one good strand in it <laughs> that they can yeah. never take away. I'm so turned off by De Niro and Scorsese doing this. I don't under it's just such a vanity. Yeah. I mean, De, De Niro does yeah. an Untouchables joke in the middle of the movie, and then Scorsese does this, I'm going to masturbate all over uh, Goodfellas joke. Oh, I mean, God. <laughs> I, I wanted to, I, I got, so weird. I actually got nauseated watching this movie at one point. Here's the point, I got nauseated during this movie. It's when that hitman goes into that family's house, and, uh, and, they, and they say, he's pretending to be an FBI guy. It's the guy that De Niro murders before the movie starts. And there's this family sitting there, the whole family, and they say, can we see your FBI badge? And he goes, sure. And that's a laugh line. And then he leaves the house, and the family has been murdered. 
And I actually started to feel nauseated by that. And then we have De Niro making an Untouchables joke and and oh, yeah. <laughs> Scorsese making a Goodfellas joke. I mean, what the fuck are you doing, guys? It's Ocean's Twelve all over again. <laughs> it's disgusting. What? What? I don't understand this. I guess Luke Besson has some sort of cachet with them that he can throw a script across their desk and go, you're going to hold up a bat, you're going to do a Goodfellas thing, and that's what we're going to do. And you have no respect for yourself? What is wrong with you? All right, Dingus, ah, here we I, go. I'm going to I'm gonna give you uh, an ultimatum. Would you rather see this again, Dingus, or watch for the first time, did you hear about the Morgans? <laughs> I, would, I would rather read a novel about the Morgans. All right, you can get it on Netflix. Right, fine. <laughs> I would uh, defend the the family shooting though, because it's it's like the second family to get shot. So it's like, and the movie's called The Family. So it's like the family killers. That, 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 that woman is a sympathetic mother. No, I understand. The, the movie doing. hasn't established a tone no, that I, allows what them to do that. What they're doing, Dingus, is they're just trying to raise the stakes. And I understand. And it's you know, it's not. I specialize in family killing. That's what that guy's thing is. Uh, well, and then the thing too is it—it, it, you know, the the bad guys are are characterized. You know what what they're doing when they when they do these scenes is they're showing that the bad guys are ruthless and efficient, and that actually does create. A, if I'd cared about the the main the characters, characters that that creates this sense of tension. Like here's what's coming, and I think of you know Hannah, for instance, did this very well and did terrible things to a family. It implied it. Uh, but but it creates this sense of tension as you know these ruthless guys are on the trail of these characters you care about. But what happens is it becomes cartoony when at the end they show up and they're going to lay siege to the whole town. They're going to kill the police department. They're going to kill the fire department. They're going to get out and they're going to shoot a rocket launcher at the house. Um, it, it you know what these are not the guys that we've seen working their way ruthlessly towards this main yeah. family. It becomes this goofy cartoony. Action sequence, and the kids see them by chance, and that's the kids see them by chance, and and even like I I resent this kind of thing, you know this the uh, how seriously the movie wants us to take the daughter's love for the master (laughs) that that she is then going to kill herself when he kind of blows her off after they have sex. She's Uh, deep, dude. Oh God, that was so ridiculous. Um. Well, I've known those girls, but you don't feel sorry for <laughs> Well, you're supposed to. Here's the thing, though, Kelly Wan. It is, it's trying to establish that, that she is a strong, determined, self-aware woman with her feet on the ground, that she knows the you know guy's bullshit, that she's on to them. She doesn't. Well, that's what it's trying to establish oh. early on with the scene where she beats the guy with the badminton racket. Right. Uh, and then it decides for whatever reason, oh, she's so forlorn, she's going to kill herself. Uh, like that, you know, I I can see why Dingus gets worked up because it's just uh, any movie. The, the movie just is is asking us. It's incapable of, of trying to create in the audience what it wants to with its characters. It's so awful at bouncing around these different motivations and these different character destinations. And, you know, like we talked about the tones and how good are the bad guys at what they do. Uh, yeah, I don't know. So I'd rather see – I think I'd rather see Did You Hear About the Morgans a second time than, than this. Dingus, did you recognize the son, by the way? Or did you look him up on IMDb? John DeLeo? No, I did look him up, but I can't remember what. Uh, he is the kid who has the Call It Duty uh, uh, dialogue with Mickey Rourke in The Wrestler. <laughs> Except all grown up. 
there's this there's this great moment in in Bruges where um, Harry, who's played by Ray, Ray Fiennes, mm-hmm. um, is about to enter the uh, the bell tower with Brandon Cleason, and the guy who runs the ticket booth says it's not open tonight, and like like smacks his finger into Ray Fiennes' head. It is closed tonight, Englishman. And then you have that moment, like the restroom moment, where um, what's her name? Oh, geez, Diana Agron is getting her pink pencil case back from the girl in the bathroom. But you see it in silhouette as Harry is beating the hell out of this guy. It's just this moment of just sudden violence, which is what this thing is going for. And Harry has some of the same things that 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 character is doing too. This sort of like fight with suicide. This sudden like violence, this honor, this weird sort of emotionality he has, and Luke Besson does just not know what to do with her at all. I, I didn't understand that thing with the tennis racket. I didn't understand why everybody in Normandy has pimples all over their faces. Is that a joke? What the <laughs> hell? Evil. The, this director hates the French. <laughs> and then you have, you have these... Okay, let me ask you this. Uh-huh. W- what do you think... Um, I'll start with you, Kelly. Uh, what do you think about? <laughs> I, I just want to. I want to know what you think about these weird um, De Niro nightmares and, fl- uh, and fantasy flashes of violence. Exposition. Like, like he has these 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 moments where he just flashes to violence, where like puts the teacher's head on the grill or whatever. What do you think about that? Uh, it's not as good as Pain and Gain when it was real. <laughs> Wait, did you see that? Yeah, we did a podcast about it. Oh, Dingus is the one who got spared it. Yeah, we right? did two-thirds. Of oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> All right, so I've seen the barbecue gag already, was my point. But um, it reminded me of a serious man, but lame, like when he was dreaming of the boat. Like you couldn't tell. Like it was exposition meets the future. Hmm. I really like. I really enjoyed it. That's what I meant to say. <laughs> Barbecue thing was amazing, and uh, right. if that helps. What, what did you think of it, Tom? These these weird little like he's got these little fantasy violence moments. Yeah, no, I think we've seen those before. Uh, they 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 didn't they weren't earned. I mean, I think the idea is, is we're supposed to think that he's really unstable. Um, <laughs> that goes nowhere too. His book goes nowhere. Uh, they, well, we were supposed to take that seriously too about him being a writer, and He's but uh, everything. the one that stood out for me is, oh, this is going to be that kind of movie. Like I thought, okay, we're going to start seeing really grim, dark things. Is um, who was Caesar's wife who swallowed hot coals? Was that Jocasta? Uh, there's a point where ah, he thrusts Scarlet Witch. He takes a hot coal and he thrusts it down the guy's mouth, and I was like, man, that's seriously dark stuff. I mean, you knew it was a, a dream, a fantasy uh, thing. Um, so I, I, you know, if they, I, I thought, okay, this is going to be a really dark, grim movie. It's going to be like a black comedy, and they're going to be pushing these really gory, dark things, and uh, they didn't go anywhere. So it was just something else that the movie didn't earn. Um, what are you getting at, though? Because you obviously have a particular angle on these no no I, that's kind of what i'm going for but part of my problem is if you open the movie with a guy burying a body that and then you have him breaking the leg of this plumber i mean you have him doing this actual violence right and then you have him in this cookout imagining violence to these poor normandy people uh, i don't know that that works 
if you if if I already know that he's the kind of guy who will do in real whatever, life, whatever the fuck he wants to do, then then this weird fantasy violence doesn't really mean anything to me. It's kind of meaningless, <laughs> right? Uh, and that's why I think I think that, that he's really going for farce. That's what that whole newspaper flying across the world thing is. That, and and a lot of that he's he just doesn't know. Even though he's French, he does not know how to make that happen, right? I saw that coming too. Like when the kid does it, and then they see me. I go, I'm going to the thing. Do you know why I saw it coming, Kelly Wand? Because mm. Dingus ruined it for me. Sorry, <laughs> I apologize. I, I apologize. Did he go nice? I'm so sorry. Nice now, I, paper. I, I've been playing a, a video game where something like that happened, and I was describing it to Dingus. Uh, what? And after I just, I'm sorry. I couldn't. no, no, no. I don't. I don't. Please, no. I don't mind at all, Dingus. And you even tried to hide it by by waiting for a moment until after I described it, uh. and you even pretended like I'm going to change the subject now. So, do you know anything about the family? Uh, so in, in Grand Theft Auto V, there's an awesome moment. It's the same thing where somebody in the witness protection program says something very distinctive, and it gets broadcast on the news, and then it cuts to another character watching the news where that distinctive thing is quoted. And uh, you know it's a stupid montage in the family, but it's an awesome scene in Grand Theft Auto V. So I was describing that to Dingus, and, and then afterwards – he sort of paused for a minute and pretended he was changing the subject. He's like, do you know anything about the family? And I immediately knew, oh, I guess something like that happens in the family. <laughs> oh. Later. We're going to be awesome. <laughs> well, he thought he was being sly is the best part of it. No, I was that- just excited that there, there was a connection being made here because it sounded like clearly Tom was talking about something where it worked. And right. here I felt like it was just – it just – the joke fell so flat yeah. and was so horrible and was another sort of Goodfellas reference. And then when, at the end, when you find out Martin Scorsese produced the thing, you, I just wanted to throw up in my seat. It was just horrible. Well, I'm trying to think. I, I don't know what it is, but I'm thinking of in some other movie, there's a montage where some, like a piece of paper or something is making a journey. Like that. I don't know Forrest what it's Gump, like. Huh? The feather. It, what, the feather in Forrest Gump? What? Yeah. It follows him from war to war and bus stop to bus stop. No, I just, I'm thinking of like one month. It's like Gandalf's moth. Go on. One, two, three. La, 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 la. 180 degrees and I'm caught in between. La, la, Gandalf's moth, really? It's a euphemism. That's what he calls it. I, you know, I wouldn't have said that. I mean, if it's not a sex joke, you shouldn't be able to do it. <laughs> I thought it was a sex joke. I wouldn't yeah. mind ringing Diana Agron's bell. That was my backup. <laughs> Would she like Kelly Wan's moth? No, she's like I'm dumb. Wait, what? Hey, Tom. <laughs> yes, Kelly Wan. Tell him to stop talking to me that way. Always wear a chrysalis. <laughs> Tom, tell him to talk to me more like that. <laughs> Wait, uh, Kelly Wan. Yes, Kelly Wan. Uh, I forgot. I was thinking about something. What, what is our three by three this week, Kelly Wand? You know, we have a lot of listeners. Hold on, hold on. Let me do that again. Kelly Wand, I order you to tell me what this week's three by three is. Sir, suck a dick, sir. Delay that three by three. I wasn't talking to Z Bone, Kelly Wand. <laughs> That's how the army talks. Z Bone's he's serving his country by conscientiously objecting to. Your reviews. I see. I see. I didn't think of it that way. And he told me to tell you he hates the new redesign, and he says you stole it from his site. But 
TomChickasFaggot.com. Awesome. He had black and yellow, and he's furious at you. Fucking furious. He's just butthurt because of the nickname of X-Bone. Oh. Wait, there's an X-Bone? There's a poser? Oh. There's a whole corporation behind that one, Kelly Wand. Yeah, it's a huge enterprise. Wait, there's an X-Bone. Um... Uh, all right, so Kelly, what, what is this week's three by three again? Well, I thought I just described it in, in considerable detail, but it was three best military commands, and my proof that it's awesome. Yes, is that a bunch of listeners wrote in, and they don't do that for something that's dumb. Although they now, didn't give it today. Did you feel that there were doubts from the other members on this podcast as to whether or not it was a good topic? I still think there are doubts. Interesting, but we'll see. Well, I'll be going first, and I will tell you, I'm not sure. Uh, I kind of liked it. I, I was okay with this I'm one. I'm looking forward to hearing other people's. Yeah. There's, In a way, it's a good topic. I there's, some, there's some a lot of options here. So uh, my number three pick for a favorite military command. Um, how about I give you the command, and you guys guess the movie? Is that what you guys are doing, too, with your picks? Oh, yeah. Yes, sir. Okay, good. So here's the command. Let me look at which one to give you. Uh, here's what? the command. Here's a, well, there, there's a couple of them from this sequence. Here's a command. What what movie is this command from? Give me those shorts. Okay, do the command, though. <laughs> I'll read the whole line. Okay, That's here you not, go. Well, there's no – it doesn't say the rank. Don't you have to say the rank when you give a command? Is that uh, a- this guy is a little too informal. Here's, here's the entire line. Give me those shorts. Here's, here's the entire line from this military command. Give me those shorts. This is from the Air Cav, a present from me and the boys. I want to see you do your stuff in them. In 1941. Nope. It's a little movie called Apocalypse Now. (laughs) See? But look, that's a great line, so it just goes to show what a deep category this is. Well, it's the whole sequence. Just watching Robert De Niro uh, on the the beach, you know, the landing where they take the beach of the, the... the Vietnamese village so that he can watch this kid from California surf. Right. Um, and you know, the, the famous line is probably Delta one. This is big Duke six. God damn it. I want that tree line bombed, bomb it to the stone age, son. And then they have the napalm strike. Um, but that whole sequence is so, and I'd, I'd forgotten this so completely over the top, ridiculous, batshit absurd. But 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 uh, Robert Duvall plays it so straight and with such conviction. I mean, it, it's it's is the rest of Apocalypse Now that good? I don't think it is. Uh, as long as you don't see the plantation part that he put back in the uh, the long version. Did not see that. I don't. Yeah, that part's I'd, good. It the first half's more. I don't know. I like the whole movie mostly. I think. Don't don't I? <laughs> it's no Hearts of Darkness, but. I think you'd well, love it mostly. Well, I, yeah, watching that scene too, just just watching the staging of, of the helicopter attack. I, I mean, I hate to sound like the old man that I am, but you just can't do that stuff with CG. I mean, watching all that with practical effects, watching how close the camera is to Robert Duvall with the helicopters going in the background and the flaming, you know, the napalm explosions and just all the activity. Uh, it's just a great bit of, of filmmaking and, and just staging. Just the staging of all that. Is- but you kind of feel like he's Coppola and making all, okay, get out there and surf. And yes, very good, Kelly Watt. Get those helicopters in here. So it's like. Yes, very good. Exactly. And he becomes the Martin Sheen character as the shoot progresses. 
goes. Well, and what's weird too is, and I'd forgotten this, uh, when Martin Sheen, because the, the surfer guy is someone that Martin Sheen needs for his mission, when Martin Sheen finally extracts him and says, okay, we're, we're leaving now, Duvall almost gets kind of hurt and apologetic. You know, Martin Sheen has to convince Robert Duvall that the waves aren't good for surfing and that it's Robert Duvall's fault for calling in the napalm strike, which is affecting the waves. And Duvall gets kind of sheepish, like, oh, sorry, I'm sorry I've disappointed you, son. Um, but there's a, there's a great, you know, the way that, that scene ends, I'd forgotten about. Uh, but the line you want to be remembered for saying is the third best military command is, give me those shorts. Yes, give me yeah. those shorts. Because that's the moment where he's secured the beach, and he's sitting down next to, I think the guy's name is Lance. He, he, he sort of squats down next to Lance, and he's going to have him go out there and surf. And he presents, and he says to another guy off to his side, give me those shorts. He's had the guy tagging along with the, the special shorts. You know, that are a gift from the Air Cav division right. that they're going to give him to go surf in. Um, so, yeah, that's that's the com- that's my pick for my number three pick for a, a military command is give me those shorts. Now, is that a line that you've just carried with you since you saw the movie as a child watching it with 16-year-olds tapping your shoulder? Or did you Wikipedia the movie quotes? I, go, I, watched, I watched the scene on YouTube. All right. That's acceptable. Yeah. <laughs> That's how it was designed. That's what Coppola had in mind all along. So good. And the Vietnam War Command. Dingus, what is your number three pick? What is your? Give us the military command for your number three pick. Abandon selective targeting. Shoot everything. Targets are free. Uh, That's it's like a bunch of different ones. It's Star Wars. Abandon selective targeting. Are you googling that? Yes, jeez. <laughs> no, I'm typing it for. I have to post it, don't I? Actually, I do know what it is. Dingus, give it to me again. Give me the line. Abandon selective targeting. Shoot everything. Targets are free. We've lost Dingus. control. Okay, so here's here's Dingus has also chosen my number two, the pick for my number two movie. But my command is different. My command from this movie, uh, I'll just go ahead and get this in, and we'll talk about the movie. Is control room is General Stone. All forces under my control, prepare to execute Code Red on my command. And then shortly thereafter, execute Code Red. You have that memorized? Maybe. <laughs> well, I I just love Generate. the moment. I I love how they uh, when Brigadier General Stone has to tell them to abandon selective targeting, and then you hear it again to the rooftop snipers, and the way the rooftop snipers, especially Jeremy Renner, reacts to having to execute that command. So, Dingus, tell I, us the movie. Doctor oh, Strangelove. Sorry, it's twenty eight weeks later. Oh, that is a great command too, because that's. Uh, I mean, that Code Red is basically a lockdown, and they're going to firebomb the area. But this whole idea of telling the snipers and the machine gunners, you know what, shoot everyone, because you've watched them. That, that's the whole theme, too, of 28 Weeks Later, yeah. at least early on, is the military trying to do the right thing, you know, trying to really protect people. And, the, and they're not this, the sniveling evil military that you see in other zombie movies like Day of the Dead or 28 Days Later. You know, this is a... And I don't want to get too political, but this is this this really canny post-Iraq observation about what happens when you put a well-intentioned, well-meaning military in a situation when they have a noble cause and just things get out of hand. Um, and the way that whole thing escalates yeah. with the with the snipers going, I can't find a target. I can't do it. Yeah. I can't. Yeah. I can't. And, and you hear this this uh, this voice going, Why have you Why have you disengaged? Why aren't you firing? I can't find targets. And so, uh, so the so General Stone, played by Idris Elba, finally says, uh, "Okay, uh, selective targeting is off. 
all targets are free. Go for it. And it's just such a chilling thing. And then to watch the snipers go through that and the other gunners, of course, but especially Jeremy Renner going through having to shoot people and like he's almost about to throw up as he does it. Yeah. And then he finally finds that kid that he can protect. I mean, it's a fantastic command. I just love that. I think I've argued before that I consider the military in the movie incompetent, but I think it's just more because they don't have the doors locked. I think they the do la- have the doors locked. The very <laughs> last thing you can say about the military in that movie is that it's incompetent. Yeah, I think it's the exact, the exact opposite of yep. what they are. It's it's they're they're overwhelmed by a situation that they can't control. That's that's what he says at the end of that line. I just said is we've lost control. It's not because of incompetence, though. I but they li- after they turn the lights out in the parking garage, like zombies get in through a way they didn't have locked down correctly. Nope, they did lock it down correctly. It's just that the zombie was, it's just that the infected person was someone with complete access. That was not anticipated. The anticipation was that that somewhere the the, the infection would come from outside. Uh, Nobody anticipated that a guy with all access, because he's basically a janitor, would be infected from kissing his wife. Um, But he's already um, infected like when he's still locked in that room? So. No, he's not. Nope. Oh. He goes in to see his wife. He has access. I mean, he's not supposed to be in there. He has access to all these places because that's his job. And he goes in to see his wife and kisses her. So the outbreak comes from some place that the army never anticipated it would come from. But this, he's using the key card as a zombie. Uh, I don't. I, my impression from the way it's shot never is see that there are those... Too. No, My impression from the way it's shot the is that there are those one-way doors thing. Right. Like that it's it's like places that lock down where you can get out, but you can't get in. Um, I don't think that's incompetence. I mean, you could possibly, maybe, I might allow you to get away with saying it's uh, poor level design. <laughs> but I, I would not say it's incompetence on the part of the military. But th- these are this is an American military using somebody else's levels. <laughs> yeah, that's true. <laughs> well, Dingus, no, Dingus. To be fair, I believe they said it. Was, I forget if it's the NATO. UN or NATO. Yeah, it's, uh, it's NATO. It's it is the U.S. military, but it's a NATO command. Just so right. you know, Dingus. All right. All if right. zombies get into your parking garage, you've you've dropped the ball. It's foobar. That's a military term we use. <laughs> also, in Afghanistan. Kelly, not, if, they, not if they're the valets, <laughs> and they're not zombies. <laughs> so wrong. Uh, all right, well, good pick, Dingus. I was hoping we'd get to talk about this. Uh, so shoot just, everything targets are free is the command. <laughs> Kelly one is paraphrasing. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I'm just doing what a zombie would do. If it was it shoot paraphrase. everything? I don't think it's true. Isn't it selective targeting? What was the commanding? Here's what I have. Selective targeting is off. Shoot everything targets are free. We've lost control. Okay. Abandon selective targeting. Oh, that's what I thought it was, but then Tom said something else. And then Shoot, everything things. targets are free. We've lost control. Yeah. But then See. it gets repeated, too. And that's what I love about this command. You hear it repeated by another. And which it, time? It, it, it goes through the command. But uh, but I also love I love the the one Tom chose about the, the um, red. Uh, what is it? Red? Uh, code red, which is also kind, red, of mount, yeah. kind of Mountain Dew, but it's not product placement. Uh <laughs> no, but I love the way he the the uh, the way the code red. I just love this movie so much. The way uh, the code red steps through all the processes. We're gonna put everybody over here. We're gonna do this. We're gonna do that. We're gonna yeah. do this. And and it's just they they can't they can't help it because the disease comes from inside of 
the facility. And that's that's where that thing in the parking garage, that, that parking garage or that garage scene is so powerful because you can feel this wave happening and it's there's no control over it. And then when the snipers on the roof can't find targets, you understand why that is. It's just so well directed. I just love that. Dingus, now you're going to have to see a movie called, uh, I think it's called Intruders. Uh, it's Juan Carlos Fresnadillo's, I don't know about his second movie, it must be his third. He did Intacto, then he did 28 Weeks Later, then he did something called Intruders with Clive Owen, uh, which is horrible. But really? uh, if you want to be a Juan Carlos Fresnadillo completionist, you'll have to see Intruders. Because I think Sorry, 28 Weeks Later is amazing. Like, it's a classic film. Yep, absolutely. Yeah, uh, Intruders is not. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, so, Kelly Wan, what then is your – give us your number three pick for a military command. Give us the command. Okay. I'm going to act it out. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> Remember, guys, you're using real-life ammunition. A bullet hasn't got any brains. It'll hit whatever you're aiming at, so don't start murdering each other. Stripes. Nah. I wish. I I'm guessing whatever it was, you paraphrased it. No. What? <laughs> you think that <sighs> – Did you have that memorized, Kelly Wan? Yeah, I do. Because I watched it every day when I was in boot camp. Kelly Wand, were you infected? See, he tried to... Oh, right. Um, it's from the movie Sergeant York uh, with Gary Cooper as a uh, person. And the, my favorite part of it is that the guy goes... He ends with, don't start murdering each other. So that's that, to me, is the third best military command in a movie. Don't murder each other. It's good advice. Therefore, my number three. Sergeant York, what is that? It's for the guy's religious, so he won't. He said, but since the Bible says "Thou shalt not kill," in World War One or two, I think is it's it, one. Isn't he one of the guys on Bewitched? No, that was uh, Sergeant 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 Sergeant. Okay, yeah. Tom didn't laugh at that. I don't. I don't understand it. I don't. I don't get bewitched references. I guess the, that's the Nicole Kidman Will Ferrell movie, right? <sighs> My number two pick was Twenty Eight Weeks Later, as we mentioned. So, Dingus, give us your command. Wait, wait. What was your thing again? Uh, control room, this is General Stone. All forces under my control. Prepare to execute code red on my. Actually, just write execute code red. Okay, execute. You guys go ahead and talk. Dingus, what is your number two command? Give us your command. All right, here's my number two command. Shoot it off. Shoot with the gun. That's what the bullets are for, you twit. I totally know that. Oh, oh, yeah, yeah, of course. Duh. Shoot with the gun? Is That's not a military command, though. I mean, it doesn't – Peter Sellers isn't really – it's more like a command out of frustration, or it's more like he's imploring him. Uh, it's not. It's not very official, I guess. It is, Shoot, it is more of an imploration. But yeah, I from an love... from an English liaison officer, I would expect him to be have something more formal. But he is very frustrated at that point, Dingus. So I'm sorry, I cut you off. You just love what? I want you both inside me. <laughs> <That's>, <laughs> I mean, is that a command? No, sir. Yeah. It's uh, a I, well, it's an imploration. Kelly already invoked uh, Doctor Strangelove. I'm uh, sorry. And, uh, that's okay. Uh, no worries. I, I watched through the whole thing. I thought I was going to choose something from. The scene with uh, when when Mandrake is in the office with uh, oh good lord, Sterling Hayden. Yeah, but Colonel, Colonel Kong. Was it uh, Colonel? No, no, Kong is on the on the uh, plane. Is Skull he? Island. Oh rats! What's Sterling Hayden's character? Oh bat bat shit bat. No, Beck Beck Wano is Keenan. Starling Hayden. No, Beck Wano is Keenan Wynn. 
Um, uh, uh, what's his name? Some called him Dad Gum. <laughs> I can't remember. <laughs> wait, but wait, I, no, come on, we Ripper, Colonel Ripper. Ah, very uh, good, Colonel, Colonel Ripper. Ripper. Thank you. Uh, Let's not say it. I no. won the Doctor Strange Love Trivia Contest. I almost, so and therefore won it. My first choice was when. Uh, did you guys? Did either of you choose Doctor Strange Love before I ruined things? No. No, I didn't see it as a military movie. It's more as a political thriller. Um, but when Ripper is is uh, commanding Mandrake to help... Wait, real quick, Dingus, hold on. I, I just got... Is he a colonel or a general? He I, think might be general. General. I think it's General Ripper. Okay, so I just wanted to... Before people wrote angry emails to us. So go ahead, Dingus. Break, break down the scene. When he's, when, he's in the, when he's in his office and he's commanding Mandrake to help him feed the, uh, the, uh, the bullets through the gun that he has on the desk... And and he's and he's yelling to Mandrake, "Come on, the the redcoats are coming! Oh, that's right. <laughs> Alert the the Continental Congress and Her Majesty. Get over here! Come on, Mandrake, get over here and help me feed this gun." Um, I like those commands, but ultimately, I just love that that military command that he has to shoot the Coke machine in order to get change, so that he can make a so that um, that Mandrake can make a collect call to or he, well, the White House won't accept the collect call, so that he can make a, a call. To the pre- to President Birkin Muffley, and and he commands that uh, that uh, Baguano, if that really is your name, uh, shoot the Coke machine or shoot the lock off the Coke machine. And of course, he says, you know, if, if you don't get the president on the line, you're going to have to answer to the Coca-Cola Corporation. So I, I mean, I I loved. I mean, Prescient. I went back and forth between choosing a military command from this and choosing something from Failsafe, but ultimately, I just loved <sighs> the moment. Where he's in the phone booth and he says, uh, "You know, shoot the shoot it off. That's what the bullets are for. You twit." <laughs> to shoot the locks off coke machines. <laughs> Wait, that was it, or it was shoot with the gun? It is. It's shoot it off. Shoot with the gun. That's what the bullets shoot are with for. The gun. Okay. Taiwan, what is your number two military command? I want you to now issue that command to the listeners of this podcast. All right. <clears throat> it's go. Take them down. It's uh, Lee Marvin, Delta Force. Oh, I thought it was Keanu Reeves. All right. What? <sighs> it's a go. My Stagger and my Marvin, are, there's a little overlap. Wait, I didn't hear the name of the movie. What's the movie? Oh, The Delta Force. Uh, oh, oh, I thought you were saying who's giving the command. There's a movie called The Delta Force? Yeah, yeah it's uh, uh, Chuck Norris. Oh, Jesus. <laughs> came out on Valentine's Day. Or Valentine's Day. Is it called the Delta Force or just Delta Force? It's called yeah. the Delta Force. Like, no, oh, no, that's two dudes. It's Lee Marvin and Chuck Norris, but they're the Delta Force. That means that's like the highest you can go in Greek alphabet is Delta. <laughs> so that's why they're the they're the last force because it's also the last letter. <laughs> is that what that is? I, I wasn't aware of that. Thanks, God. <laughs> you take Greek in your seminary. As and, do you know that from your days in a in a fraternity? It was a sorority. Where did you get your different Theta Alpha Chi? <laughs> Kappa Kappa Kappa. Um, Dingus is talking to me like that again. You said... Tell you what, I want you to issue that command to Dingus now. Let's hear it one so, more time. Take him down! What, what is being taken down, by the way? Uh, I think the enemies. Okay. Are, they, are they taking it down to Chinatown? I just remember the line. I don't remember the context, because the line itself was so radiant to me with meaning. <laughs> At my age. It was on Valentine's Day. Valentine's Day. Right, right. Yes. Chuck Norris. Lee Marvin, I love that. It's Lee Marvin, yeah. I wanted to, like, have a little retrospective for Lee Marvin's work, and uh, it's a go. Take him down. I think he's talking to Chuck Norris, by the way, but I can't be sure. 
I haven't oh, seen. so does Lee Marvin get to command Chuck Norris in the Delta Force? Uh, yeah. Like, but, does Chuck Norris have to do what Lee Marvin says? Yeah, but only for that command, and then Chuck Norris is in charge again. Does he have that awesome beard from Expendables 2? No, but Chuck Norris does. <laughs> what's her, Kelly what's her one, name? I'm, <laughs> I'm going to give you. I'm going to give you my f- number one favorite military command. And Kelly, one, I want you to guess the movie. You ready for this? Okay, I'm 0 for five so far. Including here we go. Here we go. Yeah. <clears throat> Son, just don't. <laughs> wait, wait! I've just seen this. It was from. Uh, you creep! I was going to choose something for you. You're such a creep. Kelly Wand, oh, yeah, that's perfect. Uh, do you want me to give it to you again, Kelly Wand? It's not two guns. No, no here, I'll give it to you again. Ready? <clears throat> Son, just don't. Avengers. Very good. <laughs> Very nice. Oh, jeez. I forgot he actually has a rank. That's right. Obviously. Captain. Oh. <laughs> Wait, Captain America says it? Yeah, when they're going to get in the, the little uh, Quimjet or whatever it's called. I don't... <laughs> Quimjet. <laughs> Its name is Alfred, please. Uh, Z-Bone's going to be very upset if he said that. Wait, so... They're going to get in the jet and fly off somewhere, and, a, and obviously a low-ranking fella comes up, and he's like, sir, you can't do that. And, and, and Chris Evans just cuts him off with this great dismissive, but, but this, he shoots him a look and everything. It's a great little moment. It's, Wait, what's he trying to do that's illegal? They're trying to take off in, a, in a, one of those Quim jets to yeah. go somewhere. I forget what for. Uh, and, and they don't have authorization to fly it, and the lower-ranking guy is telling him, uh, you're not supposed to do this. And just Chris Evans shoots him a look and just gives him this dismissive son. Just don't. I, I love that moment. It's a, it's a great little Whedon character moment. So the order is don't tell me I need authorization. Basically, yeah. Okay, to take the Quimjet. Yeah. That's, that's, your, what they're that's your number one. No, it's not all of that. It's just don't. Okay, so the order is don't do something. If the order no. is the order. It's the entire line is son, comma, just don't. The order is don't. Okay. But yeah. the command, like if he was going to do a log of his of the, all the right. orders, when the guy goes back and fills out the paperwork for why there's a quimjet, he writes. Captain this America was, says, "Right, this was the the, the command. The issuing officer was was Captain America, and the command was son. Just don't." Maybe he says it a lot. And there's a stamp that says that, and he just stamps the form. If it was a period piece, I would believe that. Captain America was a period piece. That's true. Dingus, give me your number one command from a, a military command from a movie. It's going to be real hard for me to do it because I can't yell it, and it really has to be yelled for it to be uh, uh, appropriate. Okay, Dingus, hold on. Put down your mic. I want you to get up and go to the far end of the uh, the room there and yell it from back there, and then come back and, and tell us what <laughs> the way they do in the. All right, hold on. I'll do that. Okay, that real Tom's house. This is this is real sound engineering. We're gonna. Everyone listen. You might- <laughs> Wait, you knew what it was. Actually, I didn't. Did he yell bandits or bayonets? Oh, bayonets, bayonets not bandits, right? No, I think bandits is, would make more sense. No, he said bayonets. Yeah. But he was, telling, he was telling the bandits to use them. He totally said bayonets. I don't think that was bandits. Ding no, Smokies and the bayonets. Did you say bayonets? No, it's something where you fix bayonets on something. I, you yeah. know what? I think I know what it was. I was going to actually pick the whistle sound effect if it's what I think it was. It's bayonets. It's the bayonets command. And I don't think you've even seen this movie, have you? 
What are you talking about? I've seen Gallipoli. It's called Bayonets. <laughs> it's not Gallipoli. Oh, rats. What movie have I not seen where dudes have bayonets? Uh, this is one of my favorite scenes in a movie ever, and one of my favorite performances. Oh, I'm going to guess. I, I know what it is, because I think you've talked about this before, and I've probably said, I don't think I've seen it. Is it something about, like, uh, like Zulus or something? No, it's not Zulus. <laughs> <laughs> okay, I don't know what it is. Go ahead. Bayonets versus Zulus. That it, is what it's a movie that... Movie. That I've uh, that I have used before, and Kelly Wand has objected to it. Uh, it's a movie called Gettysburg. <sighs> it's not a movie; it's a TV show that Ted Turner paid to have made for the Turner Network, and was released in movie theaters. So suck it. Um, and this is this awesome moment with Colonel Joshua Lawrence Chamberlain, uh, played by Jeff Daniels, in one of uh, one of my favorite performances by an actor of anything. I mean, I just he just surprised the hell out of me. And I freaking love this moment. And so it's at the at the Battle of uh, of Little Round Top. And um and his regiment has the flank of Little Round Top. They think they're at the very back of the whole the whole battle and they're not going to see any action at all in the battle. And it turns out that they are taking the brunt of the Confederate army's wave and wave wave of attacks. And each man has about 60 rounds of ammunition and Jeff Daniels as Chamberlain who is commanding the regiment uh, thinks that will probably be enough. But after wave after wave, they just haven't been able to... Uh, they've, they've withstood all of this, but they don't have any ammunition left. I mean, guys have a... They've scrounged it from bodies, they've scrounged it from other soldiers, they've scrounged other muskets. Uh, a couple guys have a couple of rounds of ammunition left, and that's all they have. And, they, and here comes the Confederate Army. They're going to sweep up the hill again. And Chamberlain decides we're going to fix bayonets and we're going to charge down the hill and swing down like a door, like two, like two sides of a door to run them back down the hill because we have the advantage because we're up the hill. And it's just this thrilling, wonderful Henry V-like moment where he explains, and, but it's a moment of inspiration where he says, we're going to charge down the hill, we're going to fix bayonets, and that's what we're going to do. But the actual command is just this one fixed moment on Jeff Daniels' face when he screams the word bayonets. And it's just, it's this unbelievable air of like power and almost this passionate lunacy of this soldier in battle. And if you just look at that moment of him just screaming that word bayonets, I love that military command. Just the way he screams it. I, oh, I freaking love that that performance he's so great and it's just ah and, and yeah yes gettysburg was basically a tv movie but it did have a theatrical release so yeah. there are very few things that make me sit down and want to watch a five-hour historical drama about gettysburg but one of the things that makes me want to watch it is listening to dingus talk about it <laughs> uh i th- i read the book the killer angels since dingus last use this as a pick so now I actually care what he's talking about like oh yeah the Chamberlain doesn't he go like to the middle of the lines too after that yeah and so it's like they go it's your reward you get to go where there's going to be the least activity and it's like Lee's suicidal charge with cannons and shit and then Chamberlain doesn't he go to sleep like oh fuck this he just like sleeps to the cannon I I love that book I mean that's that's one of those things where I had no real understanding of I didn't either terrible with dates i'm terrible with understanding the where the civil war falls or i at least you know 20 years ago i was and so i asked uh my then father-in-law 
what what can I read about the Civil War so I can start to have some elementary understanding of it? Because I feel like my education hasn't prepared me for it whatsoever. And so he handed me this. Is it Jeff Shara? I think this Jeff Shara book, Killer Angels. He's like Michael Shara. Is it Michael? I think Mark yeah. Michael was the son. Is it Michael no, Shara the father? All right. Michael's the dad. And so he and so he said, "Look, this is a novelization of it, but it's got a lot of great historical fact in it. This will help you sort of get." off and running and it was a wonderful way to learn it and then uh, and then watching Gettysburg which I watched <laughs> improperly uh, accidentally putting in the second disc first what? Uh, and, and wondering you read the book though yeah I had but I didn't know how the movie was structured uh, but I've watched it a few times and it, it, it has the most ridiculous hair and beards of any movie ever created um, but just watching Jeff Daniels just that just watching him in that the battle of little of, of little round top and how that is portrayed, and when he screams bayonets, it brings tears to my eyes every time I see it. I can't help it. Remember Longtree? Uh, that's what she said. Oh no! <laughs> Kelly Wand, do you need dingus to repeat the line, or do you have that one? Uh, bayonets. <laughs> Very good. Kelly Wand, issue to the listeners your number one pick for a military command from a movie. I want you to now pass that command down. Go okay. ahead. <clears throat> Danny, you can't die. You can't die. You know why? Because you're going to be a father. You're going to be a daddy. I wasn't supposed to tell you. You're going to be a father. No, you are. Sick burn. <laughs> uh, I didn't quite get a command in there. Uh, that you can't uh, die? That was the yeah, command? Yeah, you can't die was the command. Yeah. It's really more of a suggestion. It was yeah. Ben Affleck in uh, Pearl Harbor. Telling Josh Harshnet that he couldn't die. All right. So, what do the listeners have for us? <laughs> did you say Josh Harshnet? He disobeyed the order because he died. Okay, speaking of Josh Harshnet, uh, if you like <laughs> Michelle Pfeiffer in, I've brought this movie up before, and you guys have <laughs> laughed at me. If you liked her in The Family, um, there's a movie where she plays, I think, like a, a, a widower, uh, where, where she has an affair She's, with. She'd be a woman. So widow, but go on. Yeah, she, oh, she's gone you. through the transition. She's a, where she, and and the love interest is Ashton Kutcher as a as a wrestler. Ew, I know, but she's really good. Oh, at you it. told me about this movie. Yeah, and it, it's called Personal Effects, and he's really good in it. Like it's the you only thing. I've every seen. wrestling movie, it's weird. Um, I have seen my fair. That's the one you go. That's the movie you always whip out when you're trying to like make me like Ashton Kutcher. You're like, dude, he's really good and. Whatever you like, normally people go to butterfly effect, but I think personal effects. <laughs> I don't. That's your other one. That's uh, yeah, butterfly effect. Good. Yeah, that's what people when people want to convince you. Ashton Kutcher isn't terrible. Smart, they they yeah. definitely bring up like butterfly effect is is the the is the basic go to. But I think personal effects is a better one because she's in it. She's awesome and he's really good in it. Um, it's not a very good movie, but so there you go. Um. You know. Oh, I bet Fabulous Baker Boys must be awesome, too. It is. God. Oh, yeah. She's good in everything. And, and I've yes. brought up Frankie and Johnny before because right. of reaction shots. And you were talking about the way she reacts to things that happen in the family. She's freaking phenomenal. I was watching Into the Night a couple of years ago. It's really Whoa, cool. that's her? Yeah, her and Goldblum, brah. Because I always think about that walking through that bit of LAX, the finale. I, I didn't remember that yeah. was her. Wow. Fuck yeah. She's got that hold up? Uh, it held up better than I expected. Like, I thought I was, wasn't going to leave it on, and then I kind of did. It's really weird. It's kind of like the family in that it's really wacky, and John Lannis plays one of these, like an assassin, but he's an idiot. 
but they like drown um, Catherine Harold in the ocean in the. No, I don't like that. I don't want her to do that. It's super depressing and like vivid, and then there's like a bunch of those kind of things. Okay, what holds up best of these three movies? Which one holds up best? Into the Night, After Hours, or Something Wild? I'd say Into the Night. What was the middle one? <laughs> uh, after Hours, the Martin Scorsese. Thing. After Hours, I haven't seen in a while. But they all have they all have like uh, like it's Rosanna Arquette in After Hours, Melanie Griffith in uh, in Something Wild. So that movie's supposed to be about Cortez in the uh, Aztecs. What? Which Something Wild? No, uh, After Hours. It's supposed to be his being stupefied by and culture shocked by the Aztecs. Wow, I love that. That makes me want to see it. Again. And there was a, I think I, I was skimming Scorsese on Scorsese, and he said like the original ending was, uh, what's that guy's name? Griffin Dunn comes out of a giant womb. It's like a Peter Jackson ending. <laughs> it's really bad physical. <laughs> and that, too, apparently is related to the Aztecs, Tom. According to Martin Scorsese, the man who produced the family. <laughs> All right. Uh, I uh, fascinating. Before walk. I announce next week's three by three, actually, no, I'll go ahead and announce. Oh no, no, we have listeners. No, no, we have. Yeah. Yeah. Wand, you said a bunch of people. Yeah. So what do yeah, what do we have? It's from all the dudes, but I, you know, it's kind of a dude centric topic. Uh, well, except for GI Jane. I was kind of. I, uh, I was hoping. Doesn't doesn't Demi Moore and GI Jane command someone to s her d? Yeah, do they? I'm not sure what the Is mechanics that a, of that. That was before Ridley Scott jumped the shark. I can't imagine it's good. I've never, I've never seen it. No one's seen that movie. No, I, lo- I loved it, but until you have to watch the sequel tacked on at the end, the twenty-minute sequel tacked on at the end. Wow, uh, it's it's actually pretty good, uh, or at least I remember from watching it in the movie theater, and then I got totally annoyed by the ending. Hmm. So watch it and then stop watching it twenty minutes before. It's well, over. it's it's this great sort of like she's going through training and and it's this ordeal, and then they like throw her into combat, and it's this. Uh, Wait. So What's the movie like, where, where. Oh, go ahead, Kelly. I'm sorry. No, I was just going to ask us to spoil the third act for me. Like, which war does, does Demi Moore wind up in? Is it, I bet it's uh, Grenada. Because it was 96. The uh, Pickens were slim back then. Uh, they invade Grenada it's under the Reagan era, I bet. I think she ends up flying into the war that Meg Ryan was in in that helicopter. Courage Under Fire? Yeah. That's like a Rashomon movie. I kind of like that one. Is that Ed Burns? Hate you. <laughs> no, who direct, no, no, wait. That's, who am I thinking of? Who directed Courage Under Fire? Uh, oh, the guy who did um, Glory, didn't he? Yeah, yeah, that's right. That's that's Zwick. Zwick. Ed Zwick, yeah, Ed, yeah. Edward Zwick, right. All right, anyway, enough of that. Kelly Wand, what do the listeners have? Get What military commands are they issuing to us, Kelly Wand? Okay, my apologies if I mangle your name. I'm not good at knowing things. Johnny Araujo writes, uh, Stand down, Captain. Stand down, Captain. Tom, do you know what that movie that's from? Uh, no. Dead, the... Poets, Dead Poets Society. <laughs> <laughs> no, they only ascended in that movie. They never descended. Oh. Uh, it's Ed Harris's General Hummel tells his dipshit mercenaries he's not willing to go through with the plan of chem nuke San Francisco and they mutiny. His name is Hummel. <laughs> General Hummel. <laughs> Not Colonel Pepper. There's all these little figurines on his desk. I kind of forget that Ed Harris was in that. Because he's not the main. Next to the syringe in the heart scene, this is the most memorable moment in the film. 
in, in The Rock. I thought, didn't Connery steal a car at the beginning? That yeah, was like a bright yellow Hummer. Yeah, but what about the car? Mm-hmm. Paul Weimer, number three in Braveheart, King Edward II in the Battle of Falkirk against Mel, you know, Braveheart, orders this Welsh longbowman. <laughs> Get out with it, listeners. We're only allowed to ramble for 20 hours about nothing. You guys got to keep it short. Orders this Welsh longbowman to fire, even though he is warned he will hit his own infantry in the process. Wait. Edward II orders his longbowman to fire even though he knows he's hitting his own guys, is the one that Paul's saying is the great military command. It decimates his army, but wounds Wallace and wins the day for the English. I guess he just picked it because he liked that. Like, it, he liked the moment in the movie. Some some people do not loathe Braveheart. I'm, I'm, uh, I think I like Braveheart, don't I? What? Is it, is it not? I don't know. No, it's a guilty pleasure for me, too. And I actually considered a couple of military commands from that, but I... Ended up shying away from anything that seemed remotely Shakespearean. <laughs> That's its biggest flaw. I agree with that. My favorite uh, part in Braveheart is when um, Tim Roth duels uh, Liam Neeson. That's that is really cool. Although they are very fey. <sighs> His number two, Paul Weimers, is target that explosion and fire. Uh, I was worried about this. Captain Sulu tells his ship to fire on a now-not-so-invisible Klingon bird of prey warship in Star Trek VI, the undiscovered country. Okay, we're talking about military, not Star Trek. All right. Listeners. They are, actually, aren't they a civil mission? Like, they're not... Oh, wait, is the Star Federation or whatever, are they a military group, or is it a civil group? Just to repeat the line, target that explosion and fire is the second. Is there a, is there an Oxford comma there? It's not even like even that's that's slumming even for Star Trek. Although, what do I know? On my uh, signal, let me yes. ask this: is is you may file when ready? Is that a suggestion or a command? When Peter Cushing says it, it's something else. It's its own thing. Dingus. In the Master and Commander novels, he always says shit like, "Oh, check on the weather gauge, if you please." He always ends with "if you please," like it, like he's just asking. But I think it's just a British thing. I think he knows you're supposed to do it, or he'll shoot you. Right. Or worse. On my signal, unleash hell is Paul Weimer's number one. Uh, this is a good one. It's, yeah. That's a memorable. Uh, unleash hell is a good military command. Yeah. General Maximus tells his legions. It, if that was something you knew you were going to say that day, wouldn't you just totally be wait? Like, ah, oh, I get to say it. Wait, should I say, I'll see you in here? Only shell! Uh, they do so somewhat anachronistically, but gloriously all the same. I would guess, though, that my Civ Five game where I sneak attacked Isabella would not rate as a runner-up, though. It's Paul Weimer's thing. This is better they, than, like, take hell for a walk. Oh, these are too long. <laughs> let, let hell out until he does his business. Here comes some more hell. Whoops. Make sure, uh, make sure, make sure hell has his collar on. Did you feed hell? Okay, good hell. Who's a good hell? Who's a good little hell? Honey, did Who's you get hell, hell fixed? What do we say about that? That conversation happened in the Roman Empire. Uh, Dave Perkins military commands number three, Full Metal Jacket. Uh, 
Now answer my question or you'll be standing tall before the man. It's the uh, colonel. Mm-hmm. Uh, children of men. Theo and his guides are captured during the uprising in the camps. So the one with the baby's taken away. Luke, not in front of the girl. Wait till we get around the corner and do them all. That command is chilling because at this point in the movie, you know for sure that it will be carried out. Uh, Saving Private Ryan. In the opening scene, kneeling in the surf, Captain Miller looks around. Someone, Tom will sh- shut his eyes. He sees preview with. Stunned at the carnage around him, an explosion having knocked out his hearing. When his ears finally clear, his squad asks him what they should do. Sergeant, get Schmidt up on the beach. I just can't imagine giving that order. I was worried that somebody would use the uh, earn this as an order. It is military <laughs> command, Dingus. Dave Perkins' dad contributes some. Biloxi Blues. Uh, I'd like to. An- I'd like you to answer when your name's called. The answer to that question is ho, not yes, not right, not or not sir, or any other unacceptable form of reply except the aforementioned ho. Do I make myself clear, Jerome? Ho, yes. Ho, what? Ho, nothing. You having trouble understanding me, Jerome? Ho, no. I mean, no ho, Sergeant. Just plain ho. That's that classic Neil Simon dialogue right there. It's Africa hot. <laughs> uh, he also told me about an actual military command that was spat into his own face on his first day in the Vietnam jungle. Says movies have nothing on the actual military. What was the command? When he arrived at Vietnam, the 110 degree heat plus 90% degree, 90% humidity required a week of acclimation, after which he was called into a colonel's office. The colonel said, Today is your lucky day, Lieutenant. I'm sending you to the heart of combat. My dad was lit on a helicopter and flown a day and a half away into the triple canopy jungle, lowered into it from the helicopter by a rope. It was chow time, so my dad got in line. He didn't know anyone or anything, particularly that officers ate last. In a moment, the captain was in his face, hollering, You a fucking idiot? Get the fuck out of this line. Welcome to the shit, right? <laughs> so are you are you a fucking idiot? Not a command, but get the fuck out of this line. It's di- but it's a different guy. You're getting it from a captain. It's the son just don't. <laughs> <laughs> well, I wonder, are you given a chance to answer the first question, and does your lack of answer, or is there a nod or a shake of a head? Did it lead to the command? I don't know. That's what would make me insane if I was like, you want me to answer is what? I mean, everything I say sounds insincere anyway. I wouldn't have lasted three minutes like the military. It's a good thing we weren't drafted into Vietnam. Were you in the shit? Emmett Coffin writes. Wait, who? Yep. Emmett Coffin. And you know what? It's a hard name to screw up. I said it right, I'm pretty sure. Emmett Coffin. Yeah, that's a good name. Can I steal it? Yeah, if you have a cigar in your mouth, I think you could say that. Some guy at work was telling me he's been he's been binging on watching You Bet Your Life on YouTube. Like he was watching Groucho Marx game shows. That's in a cough writing. No. Number three, Lord of the Rings, The Return of the King. The remnants from the Battle of Gondor are trying to distract Sauron's army away from the hobbits by marching up to the Black Gate. A few key players go up to the door of the orcs, while the rest stay back and await the onslaught. Aragorn shouts, fall back twice, and the few guys who went right up to the door go back and join the rest of the soldiers. They fall back as the doors open, and the orcs march towards them. (laughs) Fall back. (laughs) 
they think they're done for, so they're really distracted, and I find the scene is shot well. Number two, The Last Samurai. I never saw this movie, and I always wish it was on... Edward's Wick. Was, ah, see? Oh, you're right, yeah. Trying to find the pattern there. In the climactic battle between the samurai and the Japanese military... See, I'm already confused. The samurai are shot by Gatling guns from a long distance while they're on horseback. See, if, only, if Gandalf had been there to tell them to fall back, that might not have happened. Yeah. Well, I had to say it twice, though. Wait, it was Aragorn. But anyway, the oh. Gatling guns... Aragorn was in G.I. Jane, by the way. That's right. Is he, is he the love interest? The Gatling guns utterly destroy all the samurai and their horses, but one commander sees they've won, gives the order to stop shooting. The other commander isn't happy about this. Soldiers stop shooting, Tom Cruise's character is fine. It's the order to stop shooting that I like, because it shows the commander's uncomfortable with this kind of power. In Glorious Bastards, in the beginning, Christoph Waltz is speaking French, acting like nothing. Everything is good, while directing his Nazis to shoot the floorboards. He points to the floor and says adieu as the wood chips go flying. I guess I'd use the command. The way Christoph Waltz's farewell in French crescendos along with the music to the climax is fantastic. Thanks for the podcast. The command is his arm pointing down. I mean, it's a physical command. Like a semaphore. Yeah. Okay. Uh, that's a good one, then. Scott Andrews writes... One of these two movies has a 50-50 chance of being a future podcast movie. Ah. Uh-oh. Ah, oh, beat to quarters from the opening scene of Master and Commander, the far side of the world. <laughs> Tom, have you been getting anything in your ma- mailbox lately, speaking of which? I've been getting anything in my mailbox lately. Huh. I don't right. know what that means. What does that mean? <laughs> oh, you sent me a book. You sent me a, an Aubrey Jackson book. <sighs> You're supposed to have read it by now. <laughs> Aubrey Plaza. Uh, I've not gotten any Aubrey Jackson books, but I, you know what? I'll, if you sent me, if you, any, if you gift me a book, I will read it, Kelly Wan. So. I predict there's a post-it soon on it that says, "Why is this in the trash?" <laughs> Signed, Dingus. Future gift, future prize from quarter to three. I'm Did on you this. really send me a Master Commander book? Is that the thing you've yeah, been talking about? Oh, my God. They're so good. They're like candy, those books. Is it just the first one, or did you pick like one of the yeah, best no, ones out? No, you've got to start at the beginning. It's like one long novel of 20 novels. Right. right. About a dude named Aubrey. That's weird, but okay. Jack Aubrey. And Stephen right. Matterin. Ah, say, wait, say it again? Oh, I haven't heard you say it before. Stephen Matterin. Ah. Is that wrong? Okay. Beat to quarters. I think you know what Pirates of the Caribbean one was on the other night, and I was watching it. But I've been like wallowing in Master and Commander, Patrick O'Brien novels, and I was totally like, uh, like hating. Like the ship combat was so amateurishly written compared to uh, there's no wind. They don't care about the wind at all. Still, so, uh, <laughs> weather gauge would have totally made them. Put, they're shooting forks. Ugh, that's not possible. Great shot and ports that low. Good. Anyway, Beat to Quarters is in the movie. <laughs> I think this Prepare for Action command triggers a great standalone action scene that transitions into the movie's first battle. See, that's, that's, that movie's based on the first book and the tenth book, which I haven't reached yet. But already I'm thinking it's, it's, it's ruining them. It's like merging too many things. All right. Command was given by Calamy, the decisive midshipman, not Hollum. The Uncertain Officer of the Watch. Tom, does that make you want to read the book? 
I actually I loved that movie, so I, I'm not. Yeah. You don't have to convince me to read the book. If it were put in front of me, I would read it. So I, we're we're halfway there, Kelly Wand. Halfway to the far side of the world. Um. Runner-up Michael Ironside and Starship Troopers Draco get your shit wired and report in ten minutes. And then when he sees they're having sex, goes make it twenty minutes. <laughs> now that's a compassionate commander. That's a commander. Fred and Lynn are here. Did Mister Chick tell you we donated fifty dollars for a mud podcast? He won't respond to our emails. Am I supposed to? Do that? Uh, well, no. So um, I mentioned this to you guys. So, so he they wanted to pay us directly for a particular podcast, but I'm going to have to, uh, I'll send them an email, but I think it's a little unfair given that we have a lottery going now, so I I'm actually going to stand the rules, although that seems incomprehensible since you outlined it, I thought very succinctly. Well, no, I think I, they were they were going for something else. Yeah, oh. and so I just, uh, yeah, I will be refunding that, and I'll talk to him if he wants to, you know, participate in the lottery like everyone else, um, but at <laughs> this point, since we're doing this, I feel it's a little unfair to just have someone contribute money and then automatically pick his movie. So we will not be doing that, I'm afraid. Uh, well, they so. brought it up in the middle of a 3 by 3 email. So obviously, it's a very touchy subject. Right. Well, I, I have not responded to it yet. So unfortunately, uh, we'll certainly, we'd love for Fred and Lynn to participate in the lottery, but I think it would be unfair to everyone else to just say. So the deal was, they we were supposed to do a MUD podcast, but we had some complications, and so that's when we I saw care. Pain and Gain instead. And Ding some was of very, us. Well, Dingus was very busy that week, so I... Fully t- I take full responsibility for basically telling Dingus, dude, you don't have to bother seeing Pain and Game. I liked it and was ridiculed. Yeah. Well, you know what? Maybe Dingus will see it one day and he can uh, vindicate me or you, Kelly Wand. Mm-hmm. Um, but anyway, so Fred and Lynn, we're sorry we never did a MUD podcast. Some of us have seen MUD, um, and we'll certainly talk about it in, when it comes up, like for 3 by 3s or whatever. You know, uh, best use of a person's hair as a fishing lure. For instance, then we would be talking about mud, right? You know, Uh, best use of uh, best movement of a boat across difficult terrain. Mud would come in right behind Fitzcarraldo. You know, so so, Miranda's hair would summon bats. I missed that. What was that, Kelly? Wand? What would summon bats? Carmen Miranda's hair. No, no, wait. Carmen Electra's hair. No. So at any rate, uh, yeah. So sorry, that's uh, inside baseball stuff. But um, I wasn't listening. Yeah. But go on. Oh no, no, I'm done. Uh-huh. Uh, number three. These are Fred and Lynn's choices. Now that they've cleared up that ugly business, get it? Because mud. <laughs> what is your ma- beautiful Kelly wand? It is. It can be. Yeah, like mud wrestling. Do you know why the movie is called Mud? By the way. Uh, it's an acronym for secret agent. Okay. But do you know what the acronym is for Chud? Cannibalistic humanoid underground dwellers. Wrong. Fuck. What? I, I watched the movie recently. It's actually a cover for uh, something like containment of hazardous urban disposal. Like they think it's about the the cannibalistic humanoid underground dwellers, but the reveal in Chud is that it's actually a government program for disposing of toxic waste in cities, in the sewers, and that CHUD actually stands for Containment of Hazardous Materials in Urban... So I forget what the D is. Well, that's oh, Urban Disposal. Uh, and you watched that recently? Yes. John Hurd is excellent in CHUD. <laughs> but I never knew that. I mean, I didn't... I guess I... 
I'm sure I'd seen it as a kid, but I didn't remember that. Everybody thinks Chud stands for Cannibalistic Humanoid Underground Dwellers. That's what we were taught. They are wrong. That's what we were taught. It's what we were taught, and we were taught incorrectly. It was generational. The reveal in the movie is that that's not what it stands for, that it's containment of herb hazardous urban disposal. Maybe it's like red rum, where it's not like a rum product placement. It's It's just like something backwards, you're saying? Well, yeah. I certainly hope that you'll tweet out that John Hurd is excellent in Chud. <laughs> He's not. I made that up. <laughs> oh, rats. Dumb is the red rum of mud. Okay. The more you know. Once talking. Uh, number three, what's your major malfunction numbnuts? Full metal jacket. Put down your weapon scene. I think put down your weapon is the actual command, though. Identify here, Mrs. Torrance. Are you guys going to read Dr. Sleep? Uh, I'm going to have to read that Kennedy book first. That one's all right. I don't know. I'm, luckily, I don't I, even know what you guys are talking about because I don't read children's literature. My so. mom thinks it's the best book ever written. Because what, Dr. Sleep? No, the Kennedy book. She's the best book ever written? She loves it. Yeah, she's crazy about it. And, uh, and I, I know, uh, I, I know a, a book club that just chose Dr. Sleep as their next book. Uh, all right, you know. All right, we'll see, we'll see what happens. I'm gonna I'm book gonna you as their thing. as their guest. Can you get, can you come to a book club? <laughs> Will there be a debate afterwards, like in what if, the, the family? What yes, unfortunately, the they're gonna get a different book. And it's really Computer Games Magazine. And the debate won't even be a debate; it'll be an interview. <laughs> and then I'll embarrass Tom, so he'll call someone and go, "Up, oh, gotta plan, change things." You know, plan B. Plan B, Plan B. Run over. Uh, remember, what, remember when we saw the family? Oh, yeah. No. <laughs> How did we? This is in the middle of the Fred Lynn's through, but he's probably not the ideal place to bring this up. But like, why did we see the family again? Like, what? Because uh, we didn't want to see Insidious too. Because Luc Besson. <laughs> hello, Luc Besson. Michelle Pfeiffer. Hello. Oh, yeah, that's true. John Leo. All right, okay, all right. I'm feeling better about it. Thank you. Okay, Fred Lynn, number two, the commanding handshake between Schwarzenegger and Weathers. <laughs> Not a command. Wait, I want to read that all over again because I like pre- in Predator. That- yes, that that was the only time they teamed up to fight evil from space. The commanding handshake between Schwarzenegger and Weathers in Predator. Isn't it like a handshake off where they're kind of arm wrestling? Yes, guys. yes. It's just, it's just a bicep flex. It's not a handshake. <laughs> Weathers dying. I like his name's Weathers. But what's that... his actual, what's his character name? I love his character name. Cohagen? No, not Cohagen. Come on. <laughs> Cohagen. How dare you? Uh, Jesse Ventura is not. I just remember um, our friend Aaron doing that line about the CIA. God, what is his name? And Predator? Yeah, his name is this great, weird little CIA name. Anyway, move on. Number one, this is too nebulous a 3 by 3 damn it. We still love this show, Mr. Wand and Dingus. Tom, not so much as he toys with our emotions. When do I do that? I don't know. You're always in trouble, Tom. Except Z-Bone started soften, I think, a little. Philip Torda, not entirely sure what Mr. Wan meant. <laughs> Fight a nickel. So I just listed three movies I like that had some military guys saying something. <laughs> that seems like half-assing it compared to what I did, but all right. Uh, number three, Apocalypse Now. 
Francis, I love when listeners do the this thing. Francis Ford Coppola, 1979. <laughs> you know, Apocalypse Now, that one. <laughs> oh, all right, 79. Yeah. Star Wars, George Lucas, George 1977. Lucas, <laughs> That's my fault. I do that every time. I apologize. Jesus. What? Jaws, Steven Spielberg, 1975. <laughs> yeah, it's always a movie that's super... Like, everyone remembers. Gettysburg, 1993, Ronald F. Maxwell. 1984, 1984. Oh, I mean, Apocalypse Now, Francis Ford Coppola, 1979. That's good, son, because you either surf or fight. That clear? Get going and bring a board for Lance. See, they almost scooped you. Except for second and did a different one. <laughs> give me those shorts. Give me those shorts is Tom's version of yours, <laughs> Philip. Ponder that. Number two, Hot Shots. Jim Abrahams, 1991. Alpha Velveeta knuckle underwear, you are clear for takeoff. <laughs> That's good writing. Concur. Alpha Velveeta knuckle underwear, you are cleared for takeoff. Isn't it weird that it's either funny or it's not? I don't yeah. Definitely, yeah. <laughs> Johnny got his gun. Dalton Trumbo, 1971. Wait, they made a movie of that? Did you read that book? I read the book. No, I did not. It's I don't know. Depressing it. as fuck. It's the most depressing book I've ever read. You're not to mention what has happened here to anyone. I'll hold you collectively responsible for any breach given by a military doctor after it's revealed that the limbless, blind, deaf, and mute Joe is conscious and not brain dead. Ah, there's other people in it. Ah, fucking ruins it. <laughs> <laughs> That's me, by the way. Uh. And then Paul Weimer wrote again to say that he sent us $2, but not for the pledge. Okay, that's that. That's all the listener data we have to compile. Runners up, anything from you guys. Oh, it's too hard. I can't believe we didn't come up with anything from aliens. Yeah. It's, is Stay Frosty a command? Oh. Ease down, you're just grinding metal. That's kind of a command. Got to nuke it from orbit, just to be sure. Got a command. What? Bishop, go through this tunnel and turn on the heart lights at the base. What is it? What's one from Riddick? There's no military in Riddick. They're, they're mercenaries or bounty hunters. Those are not military, Kelly. That's a military, like, nope. without a rank. Oh. Nope. Nope. It's, it's a paramilitary. There yes. The paramilitary is called paramilitary because it's not military. Just like paranormal is called paranormal because it's not normal. Right. So they do paracommands. It's abnormal. Um, my favorite uh, runner-up is uh, that's a negative ghostwriter. The pattern is full. And what would that, that would be from Star Wars? That's, that from, from, that's from Top Gun. Ma- Maverick requests a flyby, uh, and uh, the air boss says that's a negative ghostwriter. The pattern is full. One of my favorite military commands is in the movie. Oh, what's that Alex Proyas thing with Nicolas Cage where he predicts the future unknown or known or knowing? Uh, knowing is is knowing. It's when the burning plane crash victim runs past uh, Nicolas Cage and he goes, hey, hey, hey. <laughs> he says it twice. Yeah. Second time angrily. <laughs> but he's not military, is he? He's a scientist, I thought. Or yeah, nothing. He's got a, he was military. He's been military in other movies. So sometimes the That's rank carries true. over. Well, it's definitely a command. Yeah. Uh, okay, you guys ready for next week's 3x3? Three three? I don't know how to feel about this. This one's a little iffy, but uh, we'll just see what people do with it. Um, this is a, a classic 
narrative device. It goes all the way back to the, the it, it ranges from the Bible to Shakespeare to sitcoms. It's uh, it was you could argue it was even part of the family. Uh, I want your favorite instances in movies of mistaken identities. Ah. I like that. That was that. Oh, you like it? Okay, I didn't know. Yeah, actually, I like your topics usually. So it's pretty broad. You can do with it as you will. Uh, there are a lot of options here. I don't want to take anything off the table because I look forward to seeing what people come up with. Um, but just give me your favorite mistaken identities. Now, as for the movie we're seeing next week, uh, I just want to point out because I'm particularly proud of myself for how well this worked out. We <laughs> we briefly we trolled Kelly Wand before the podcast started uh, by telling him that the movie <laughs> Enough Said was a biopic of Stan Lee starring Harry Dean Stanton. Wait, you said it was enough said. And that's I, no, I didn't. I just I might have just sort of slurred it uh, to, to imply that it was enough said. Maybe I did say that. I kind of want to uh, see it still, even though it doesn't exist. Uh, a biopic of Stan Lee. Harry Dean Stanton <laughs> as Stan Lee. Yes. I bought it because I'm me. But instead, we will be seeing. Wait, actually, I forget. Are we seeing prisoners or enough said? Okay. We're not seeing that fucking thing. Okay, so we'll see. So there's a director named uh, Nicole Holoff Center. She's done some movies called uh, Lovely and Amazing, Walking and Talking. I think the, her last movie was something called Other People's Money. She works with Catherine Keener a lot. Um, and her latest movie is James Gandolfini's last movie. What? <laughs> James Gandolfini died. <laughs> I'm sorry, Kelly Wand. I'm sorry to tell you that. He Wait. will not be in any more movies. I don't don't stop. Believe. Wait, you wanted us to see Prisoners instead of Enough Said? Uh, I thought you said Prisoners looked awful. So yeah, Enough but... Said is a, is a Nicole Hall of Center movie starring Julie Louise Dreyfus, who we all love. Come on, you watch V. No, I do. I do love her. So just imagine a movie with Julie Louise Dreyfus and James Gandolfini. What what movie have you not enjoyed them in? When have they ever been on screen where you're not enjoying watching them? Mm. Never. Never is the answer to that. Mm. She's never made a movie, has she? Um, North. Question. Uh, North. I loved her in that. So What's North, Dingus? It's Rob Reiner. Horrible Rob Reiner. Willis. Okay, well, Dingus, you're undermining me, so don't bring that up. Yeah, he's <laughs> That's, You're going to make Kelly Wand want to see Prisoners. Um, uh-huh. You know what? Well, we can. You can see Prisoners, Kelly Wand. You can see whatever movie you if want. I have a 50% chance of seeing it. <laughs> but just make sure to also <laughs> see Enough Said. Because uh, I'm dying to see that. I love Julie Louis-Dreyfus. I, I love James her. Gandolfini is so in- fascinating. Uh, and, and Nicole Hall of Center's movies, she's been doing this for a while. She's got... Uh, she knows what she's doing. Um, she's not. She's not an idiot. She's no Luke Besson. Did you ever That's see the Mexican? Yeah, we saw that movie together. I forget the name of it. But that's James Gandolfini. I, I don't think I've seen that one. But uh, is that Gore, Gore, uh, Gore Verbinski? What? It is. Is it? Is it? I don't. Know. I don't maybe not. I just remember that's one of the first times I was really like, whoa. Yeah, or even just all his parts in Killing Him Softly. So come on, come on, Kelly Wand. Let's see Enough Said. Uh, it's not the actors, it's the genre. We don't even know what genre it's in. I do. Oh, you watched the trailer. Well, there's well, your problem. I, I'm not going to see this fucking thing. I'll just watch the trailer. Stop watching trailers. Think about Stan Lee. Hey, you know what, Kelly Wand? I'm going to flip a coin. I'm going to roll this six-sided die. On a one to three, we're seeing Enough Said. No, I want the generate. 
button. I don't want your fucking Okay, I'm pressing button. it. On a one to three, we're going to see enough said. On a four to six, we're seeing prisoners. Let's see, I'm typing in. Dingus. There, random number generator, range one to six. No, nope. it's an upset. It's an upset. Oh, wow. <laughs> it's like the movie title is telling me to fuck off. Kyle, and partly also it's September. Uh, it's kind of, it, you know, we're, we're dodging the Rush bullet. Uh, so. it, it, are there any votes for Rush? That's what I was worried about is what if people wanted to donate money to make it? bone wants to donate a million dollars for it. <laughs> well, he's got – he'll still only he's have taking, He's doing a pledge drive to raise the money to do it. Kickstarter. Yeah. Well, even if he comes up with the money, it's still only a fifty percent chance that his number will be drawn. Uh, okay. Uh, math, right? All right. So, listeners, uh, see enough said. Join us for the podcast for that next week. If you have any choices for your favorite instances of mistaken identities in movies, and I was even tempted to take the big one off the table, but I'm sure we'll talk about it next week. Uh, send your pick to three by three at quarter to three dot com. That's the number three, the letter X, the number three at, and then you spell out quarter to three dot com. You can also use that to donate uh, uh, at least a dollar uh, and register your vote. Uh, when you donate in PayPal for what movie you would like us to cover a week from next week. Um, and also join us next week for the exciting conclusion of the Pledge Drive listener lottery uh, when we determine what It's only a week, huh? It's a week from now. We'll, we'll, next we're week, doing this late. <laughs> so well, Next week we will uh, draw. So the, the podcast on uh, which will be broadcast on September 23rd is when we will draw. So make sure to get your donation in by midnight on September, let's just say September 21st. You know, get it to us no later than Sunday afternoon um, if you want your, your vote to count. Crawl. Crawl is, is definitely in... Or Zapped. Zapped has a much less 50% chance to what? be drawn than Crawl. Crawl's beating Zapped? Oh, easily, yeah. Oh, interesting. So uh, join us for that next week. We thank you for joining us this week. I am Tom Chick. I have been here with uh, Christian Milzuski, I believe it is. It's Christian Murawski. Uh, I don't think so. And uh, Kelly Wand. Captain America's girlfriend was a period piece. La la, la la, la la, la la. I'm feeling glad I got sunshine In a bag I'm useless But not for long The future is coming on I ain't happy I'm feeling glad I got sunshine In a bag I'm useless But not for long The future is coming on It's coming on It's coming on Hey, uh, there's this really cool uh, documentary about King Arthur called Excelsior. You guys should see. <laughs> there's this great moment when I was watching it where an audience member next to me goes, She's smoking pot. <laughs> she wasn't, though. Oh. Or was she? Maybe she was. How can we have a friendship and you hate me? <laughs> yeah, Tom. Answer him. <laughs> <laughs>